When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Monday, January 22nd, 2024. I am Seth Liebson. I'm looking at Mr. Bill. Is to my right. I have uh, David Dahl. Young David is uh, my producer right in front of me coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. You are trusted source for precious metals. You can weigh in anything you like, 602-508-0960. It seems the ideological postulates need some reaffirmation here. College students will march and scream denunciations about the tyrant Donald Trump, but march and scream support on behalf of Vladimir Lenin. Maybe the postulates require a little learning of a little rudimentary history. As Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. once put it, a page of history is worth a volume of logic. ASU yesterday, or some students at ASU, held a teach-in to commemorate the centennial of Vladimir Lenin's death, January 21st, 1924. It was not a celebration of his death, which it should have been, but rather a celebration of his life, which it should not have been. Lenin School was what the Socialist Revolution Club at ASU called it. Revolution evidently being okay, insurrection not so much, I gather. Their webpage at Lenin School stated, quote, Want to join the fight for socialism in our lifetime? The works of Lenin are a great place to start, close quote. Maybe it's not history education that is wanting at ASU or elsewhere, but a dictionary of the plain meaning of words, perhaps starting with the use of the word great, great place to start. The word great is a superlative and to be sure can stand for quality as much as quantity, as in that was a great performance or there are a great number of hits by the Beatles, whatever you think of the quality of the Fab Four, quality being subjective. But when it comes to socialist revolution, you can be assured that great as a word is being used as a qualitative superlative when it comes to the works of Lenin, without whom there would be little socialism at all in the European or Western theater of the world. It is an ongoing curiosity to me how someone like Lenin can be lionized anywhere in America. His works that are to be studied, a great place to start, being what they are. And what are they? A body count of assassination, murder, starvation, and death is what they are, at a scale far greater than the one totem most agree is the symbol for just that, Adolf Hitler. More on that momentarily, but given that we all agree Hitler was an awful monster who disgraced and stained the 20th century, would not someone or something worse than that bring worse enmity or the same entity? Enmity? One would hope. One would be wrong. If a severing of a finger is awful, what is the severing of a hand or arm? ASU and too many many others, it appears, only care about fingers. Over on Twitter X, Twix, the Youth Communist League, with over 15,000 followers, posted a picture of Vladimir Lenin yesterday, stating, quote, 
On the, centera- on the centenary of his death, we fondly remember Vladimir Lenin, the founder of the first socialist nation, leader of the Bolshevik Party, and architect of the October Revolution, close quote. So now we know what a great place to start means because the memory is now qualified as fond. That Twix post states what ASU socialists believe, which is that, as they tell us under Lenin, quote, workers and peasants assumed leadership of the country, close quote. A smart responder wrote, no, intellectuals and sociopaths assumed leadership of the country and ultimately enjoyed a parallel society with their own well-stocked shops, spacious apartments, and dacas in the countryside. But there was far more than that under Lenin and his vaunted celebrated great works. As the journalist David Joseph Aledesco reminds, Vladimir Lenin massacred more than one million people for political or religious reasons, murdered up to 700,000 in the genocide of the Cossacks, more than 15,000 peasants in the Tambov Rebellion, over 3,000 sailors and civilians in the, Kons- in the uh, Kronstadt Rebellion, thousands of workers who dared to strike or could not work, almost 2 million who died in the Gulag concentration camps, and upward of 8 million from famine and disease. One of the world's preeminent psychiatrists, Michael Fitzgerald, studied Lenin's biography in depth and concluded that Lenin showed a, quote, rejection of concepts such as conscience, compassion, and charity, was only interested in using people for what he could get out of them, and was controlling sadistic and meticulous. Once he came to power, Fitzgerald notes, Lenin loved having people killed and was clearly Machiavellian. Lenin was psychopathic, Fitzgerald concludes. During the famous Russian famine, we learn Lenin spread disinformation about relief efforts, not because he believed they were harmful. He knew the famine relief campaigns were saving lives, but rather because he wanted as many people as possible to die because their deaths were useful to him. When you hear people say Lenin stood for the concept or the precept of the worse, the better, that's what he meant. The worse things are, the more ripe they are for revolution. The people were a means to an end, as Professor Robert Service wrote of Lenin. The more that died, the better, so long as it caused enough social unrest to end the czars, or the czarist regime. Mr. Volodolesco concludes of Lenin this, quote, He was a serial killer in charge of a mafia state, a pure psychopath. And the blood and suffering would not end with him nor with his henchman, Stalin. Stalin was compared to a lamb when compared with Lenin, by the way, according to Vyacheslav Molotov, one of the few people in history who personally knew both, and, both Lenin and Stalin. When people talk about what a monster Stalin is, was, think about that. Compared to Lenin, he was a lamb. What has sadly faded is not Lenin's evil political cause, murdering the people in the name of the people. You can find that to this day in the genocide being carried out by China or in the pro-Hamas chants being sung by students on U.S. campuses. What has faded, alas, is our memory of the man and who he truly was. No person in human history was ever set a stone rolling that has crushed more people or left more blood in its wake than Vladimir Lenin. Why do our best and brightest, our college students, our young, anxious minds, gel to this? 
celebrate this man and this cause, but then jump and rush to support the curdled blood drawn by Hamas and stampede to keep the likes of, say, a Dennis Prager out of ASU because to them he's a white nationalist, or denounce at any rally they can attend an American president who happens to be a Republican while they celebrate the horror that was Vladimir Lenin. Explain that one to me. Some of this is our fault. Some of this is the fault of educators. William Buckley once wrote, quote, if we undertake a systemic, devoted, evangelical effort to instruct the people of the world that the Soviet Union was animated not by a salvific ideology, but by a reactionary desire to kill and torture, intimidate and exploit others for the benefit of its own recidivist national appetites for imperialism, we will have done by peaceful means what is so long overdue. We will have buried Marx and Marxism and Lenin and Leninism in that common grave in which they belong, together with such recent historical figures as Jim Jones or such ancient historical imposters as Lucifer. To those who don't remember Jim Jones, he was the uh, cult leader Jonestown, Guyana, massacre, drink the Kool-Aid. The phrase drink the Kool-Aid comes from how he had his followers commit suicide en masse. We will have buried Marx and Marxism and Lenin and Leninism in that common grave in which they belong, together with such recent historical figures as Jim Jones or such ancient historical imposters as Lucifer. How is it in this day and age we can have 19 and 20 and 21-year-olds at colleges, publicly funded, given public space, to celebrate the life of a monster like that. How is that? It's because we never did what William Buckley said we should do. We never did undertake a systematic, devoted, evangelical effort of instruction to the people of the world about what it is Lenin actually stood for and what he actually wrought. We never did that. We still don't. But we need to. Clearly. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-known Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Check out our great event. We're bringing in uh, Mike Gallagher, Brandon Tatum, and I. We'll all be on stage fighting for freedom March 26th, uh, an intimate evening, somewhat intimate evening uh, with the three of us on stage talking about the election, talking politics, talking about whatever you want. Fighting for Freedom, an evening with 960 Patriot hosts. Gallagher, me, Brandon, check it out at 960thepatriot.com, March 26th. Let me go to um, Jason here in Phoenix. Hello, Jason. Hey, Seth. It's me calling again. How are you? Remember, you know, I, I tune in uh, pretty much every day, and then Thank every you. now and then I call. Look, loved your monologue. I learned so much. I like. I feel like I got to take notes. I love it when you start your show with the monologue. Thank you. Um, so, at any rate, um, I, a lot of this, what you're saying, with the, what's happening with our with our younger kids and stuff, this Generation Z, what have you, being a parent of one of them, is uh, I give. I think we. This is the baby boomers. Um, whether radical or what have you, they really uh, took over the school system. In my generation, I was telling your producer, I referred to myself as part of the Pepsi generation. My, my older brother's a little bit, little bit older. 
we were, I'd have to say, not everybody, but collectively we were a little more lazy. When it came to our kids, we just took a lot of things for granted. Uh, so now these uh, millennials and these Gen Z kids, it's all in the education that they're getting from these schools and stuff. And this is where they're, we're, we're having this twist on history. We discussed this uh, over one of the holidays, and everybody agrees whether Democrat, Republican, conservative, or what have you, we're losing our history. Um, and that that's basically in a nutshell why, why you're having all this this uprising. That's the, that's the only information they're going to get. Yeah, I, I agree with you. This is why I don't think it's in vain to respond. I mean, who else is going to tell these students what they need to know? What, what, what you know, Dennis Prager comes to ASU and 39 professors denounce the event because he's a white nationalist. How many professors, I can think of two and two only, uh, at ASU who are standing up to saying, wait a minute, state funds to endow teaching the blessings and benefits of Vladimir Lenin? What has become not just of the parents or the Pepsi generation, if you will, which you mean by people what who came of age in the '60s? I suppose is that the Pepsi generation that you're referring to? No, I'm talking more of the '80s. All right. Well, whatever the age is, it's all the same problem. We have run through it. We have not taught this stuff. I, I, you know, if you told these twenty-year-olds at ASU that Lenin had a higher body count than Hitler, they wouldn't know. And they wouldn't know because no one told them otherwise. No one told them that. No one told them that. Now, they may think that you have to, like Lenin did, break a few eggs to get an omelet. But then you ask them, well, how many eggs? 20 million? 15 million? 10 million? 25 million? 100 million? And where, for the love of Pete, is the omelet? Uh, you know, th- this is this is a cult, and it's a cult that is impervious, as cults can only thrive, to any outside information whatsoever. It seems to me the duty of high school, if not high school, certainly college, is to educate about this stuff. Otherwise, yeah. you are going to get 51% of college students supporting the bloodlust of Hamas, which is what you today have. Absolutely. I talk to my kids about history all the time. Good. And set them straight. It's the most important thing. It is worth a volume of logic, as Oliver Wendell Holmes said. Yeah. And it's like and then you also see it in the entertainment industry. And it's not really a big deal, but it's something that a lot of these kids, this is where they're going to learn about certain historical turning points. Just what they're going to see in the entertainment field. And they made a big deal uh, when Netflix. Uh, casted uh, uh, African-American female to play Cleopatra. Uh-huh. Uh, not really a big deal, right? but apparently she was Macedonian. And then they went ahead and they did it again. Yeah. They, uh, and I'm actually surprised they picked Denzel Washington to play uh, the Carthaginian general Hannibal, which, again, <laughs> not really a big deal. Right. But if you know the history... And it, 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 I don't know. Am I making a big deal out of that, or what do you think? No, do you I don't know. That? I mean, the race thing I don't care about as long as it's a two-way street. As long as it's a two-way street, I don't really care. I don't. Um, you know, can 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 a straight white person play a gay white person? I mean, you know, it's their it's their side that has a problem with this stuff. They forget that acting is acting, and acting too requires the audience to do some work in imagination, and there may be some artistry behind it. So I don't really blame too much on Hollywood for that. 
as far as who they professionally pick to do it any more than I care about who the skin or what the skin color is of someone who teaches. I just want the story to be true. I just want the teaching to be accurate. And I want the message of horror to be taught because these kids don't know what horror is. But if they ever, ever, ever obtain a modicum of power, they will wreck horror on the rest of society. Well, that's that's I what I care that, about. I appreciate it. So Thank you oh, very much, Jason. Yes, hey, sir. Cape, Cable's got a lot of Pink Panther marathons going on, just in case you're interested. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I love those things. With, uh, All right. With, uh, Thank you. Yeah, with Cato. I love Cato. D- David is kind of my Cato. He kind of likes to sneak up on me and surprise me just to keep me on my toes. Let's go to Mike in Phoenix. Hello, Mike. Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? It's been a while since I called, but I almost ran off the road listening to your your intro. I hope I didn't get it wrong. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, you got it right. Okay. But there were so many things that went unsaid that I felt I really had to call. Thank you. Uh, one of the things you were saying was that, that uh, it's partly the, the, um, the fault of education. Well, I want to tell you what's, what really it is is that we've been infiltrated in our education, and it was, it's, this isn't a sin of omission. This is, this is a, an invasion into our education, and it's gone on for much longer than 20 years. I, when I was in college in 1969, I could see it happening even then as sure. the students were leaving the sure. SDS and sure. all these groups and getting universities, sure. and they went straight to the educational system. You bet, and they and threw think, out great professors. Great professors oh, fled colleges. Totally. Look at what happened at Cornell, totally. for example. Exactly. Or or any of the great schools. These teachers just couldn't take it anymore. It's yeah. hard to stand there and stand for liberal propositions while you're being called a racist. It's hard to do. That's right. That's right. And I, I lost a great professor that had been an executive with IBM who probably taught me more about business. Uh-huh. And I've been in business for myself all my life over exactly that kind of an yep. issue. Yep. But, I, but I have to tell you on an anecdotal uh, story, in my family alone, I have one, two, three probably seven educators. My sister and I, I think I told you this once before, we both worked on Barry Goldwater's campaign in college. She married a guy from Illinois who went to the University of Illinois, came out here. He was a teacher, went into uh, administration. Uh, She was married to him, and slowly over the years, she was indoctrinated to the point that four years ago, she says, I have to tell you the truth, I'm a socialist. Yeah. And what scares me is, what scares me is, her husband actually told me one night in a discussion, if they're not socialists coming into my class, they're going to be socialists going out of my class. Yeah, they're going and to get us through. They, the plan always was to get us through our children and grandchildren. You bet. And that's what they're doing. And that's, and that's exactly doing. what's going on right now. And and we're being, I could, I would never Mike, believe I got to take a quick this. break. You're welcome to stay okay. if you want to continue. I got to do a quick break. Then we'll do our culture and economy update. And I'll happily come back to you if you'd like. And everyone else on hold, too. Don't go away. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Dombrowski is our culture and economy expert. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, grandcanyonplanning.com. His website where you can reach out to him, learn more about Grand Canyon Planning, what might be able to do for you. John, how are you? Happy Monday. Happy Monday, Seth. How's it going? I'm doing just fine. Thank you, Great. sir. Waiting for the rain. Yeah. Is it coming again? It's coming. Coming they say around it's coming. again. Okay. Be all night and into tomorrow. Yeah. All right. We need it. 
We need some. We yeah, need some. Yeah, uh, but it makes walking the Wonder Dog in the morning a little difficult. A little difficult. A little yes. difficult. Records to... over at Wall Street, huh? Yes. Uh, interesting. We've got both the Dow and the S and P five hundred. You know, it's been a uh, an interesting turnaround. So, if you look back, uh, if I say take the S and P five hundred, we uh, were hitting an all time high the last time. You know, we were talking about all time highs was two years ago, back in December of twenty twenty. All the way back to actually to December 2021, so a little over two years ago. And um, what's interesting is uh, it's taken, you know, a, t- a two-year time horizon for us to, you know, hit the troughs that we hit back in the middle of uh, July, uh, October of 2022. Now, finally getting back to those levels, the S&P 500 closing at 48.50 today, and it's all-time higher prior to that. Back in 2021 of December was uh, 47.78. So we finally have uh, moved back into more of what we would consider a bull market. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the concern is, is people may say, well, gee, you know, I'm not going to invest now because the market's at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. But this uh, could be a shift, actually, from the bear market that we had been in uh, and now getting back into a bull market. And we, we may see some real positive uh, movement in the markets over the next uh, three to five years. And so, again, when you're investing in the stock market, this is a long-term investment. I always tell people to have that long-term view, not to just look at the day-to-day of it, because that's uh, certainly uh, something that probably doesn't give you the right um, you know, viewpoint for what the market is for, uh, you know, investing for the long period for that, uh, f- you know, the positive future that we're all looking to create for ourselves. Yeah. And I think some of this is going to be self, uh, reinforcing or self ratifying. I was looking at this poll out of the university of Michigan. They do great, uh, data crunching. I don't know if you saw it, but it showed that Americans are rapidly becoming much more upbeat about the country, excuse me, yeah. the country's economy, consumer sentiment surging 30% since right. November, right? Yeah, and we've been seeing the uh, inflation data coming in on a, a regular basis, month over month, um, showing a decreasing inflation, uh, which is positive for the stock market. It's positive for the future of interest rates, you know, whether the Fed was considering of raising rates or uh, possible rate cuts in the future. Uh, the data that we've been getting, it's really leaning towards the Fed would be reducing rates at some point this year. Uh, you know, there's, there's, I guess, discussion about when that could happen, mm-hmm. but at least we're moving in the right direction. We seem to be coming out of the, you know, the, the down cycle that we had with the high inflation, with the markets pulling back, interest rates rising, all of the, these negative indicators. Uh, you know, one of the things that still, though, is a, a you know, out there right now is we've got this inversion in the rates where we've got short-term rates are higher than long-term rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, if you're looking to, uh, you know, gain interest on a bank account or some type of CD or money market accounts, I know for our clients, we're getting uh, in their money market accounts over 5%, and that's a daily rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a liquid account where you can move money in and out of it on a regular basis, mm-hmm. no penalties to do so. Uh, and you're getting over 5% on your money. Uh, so, you know, those short-term rates are very positive for uh, people who just want to sit, you know, right now with uh, with high balances in their money market accounts. Uh, but you may also be missing out on opportunity when we look at what the actual returns of the stock market have been, you know, over the last year. 
Um, so you want to have a blend. You want to have a balance uh, of some, you know, maybe some money market, but also uh, still be looking to invest for your financial future. And um, again, having that long view uh, when you're investing ultimately uh, could prove to be a, a better option of for you. Of course it is. Of course. Thank you, John. And people can talk to you about that in their own portfolio. Yeah. Yep. They could go to our website, grandcanyonplanning.com. You can request an appointment with me right there, and we can talk about what you're doing to plan you for your it. financial future. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Inran Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, John. Talk tomorrow. You betcha. We'll be right back if you are on hold. Doug Raw, Rick, we're coming to you. Welcome back. Seth Liebson here for my friends from the Midas Gold Group War Room. The MAGA veterans at Midas point out that the Federal Reserve note does not belong to you. It belongs to the Federal Reserve Bank. While the federal debt doesn't belong to the Federal Reserve Bank, it belongs to you. This is your wake-up call to what the Midas Gold Group veterans believe the central bank and government are trying to do. A controlled demolition of our current system with a central bank digital currency to take complete and utter control of our transactional freedoms. Protect yourself. Turn this wake-up call into a phone call to veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. That's 480-360-3000. Or go to MidasGoldGroup.com. That's 480-360-3000 or MidasGoldGroup.com. Always faithful, Midas Gold Group, MAGA, and proud of it. MidasGoldGroup.com. Rob is in surprise. Hi. Nope. Sorry. Doug, hold with me one second. I'll get to you in a moment. Uh, who do I have on the line? Do I have the wrong thing here? Yes, I have the wrong thing. Bear with me. My phone's just went haywire. Will you put Rob on for me, David? Thank you. There we go. Hi, Rob. Oh, hi, Seth. My, I, uh, my, my phone just had back. a quick surge, and I went to the—anyway, nice to talk to you. Oh, well, it's always great to talk to you. I, um, uh, as usual, was listening to your um, uh, intro, and I— there was a name that just kind of crossed my mind. Um, you're probably familiar with Malcolm Muggeridge. Yes. Who is kind of a, I don't know, he, he sort of became a leading uh, Christian after C.S. Lewis died. Again, English, uh, Cambridge grad, agnostic most of his life, uh, joined the Anglican Church. Communist. Yeah, World War II. He was a spy for uh, for Great Britain, which I thought was kind of interesting. He also uh, had uh, been one of the arrangers of George Orwell's funeral. But um, what I found really interesting and prescient, as a lot of these guys tend to be, um, he had a quote, and he has many different quotes, and this one actually isn't so much about Christianity. This is more or less you know, the state of Western civilization. I wish I knew when he wrote this, but he said, so the final conclusion would be, whereas other civilizations have been brought down by attacks of barbarians from without, ours, and I'm assuming he means Western civilization, had the unique distinction of, of training its own destroyers at its own educational institutions and then providing them with facilities for propagating their destructive ideology far and wide at all the public expense. Thus, did Western man decide to abolish himself, creating his own boredom out of his own affluence, his own vulnerability out of his own strength, his own impotence out of his own erotomania, himself blowing the trumpet that brought the walls of his own city tumbling down, and having convinced himself that he was too numerous, labored with pill and scalpel and syringe to make himself fewer. 
until at last, having educated himself into imbecility uh, and polluted and drugged himself into stupefaction, he healed over a weary, battered old, old, battered old brontosaurus and became extinct. Mm-hmm. I think the guy knew what he was talking about yeah. and could see it. And I'm assuming this is probably at least, you know, 50 years ago, if not longer. It might have been early 80s. It might have been. Um, yeah, he, he lived till 90. Yeah, so. it might have been early 80s. It might have been his book. Any Well, in any event, I, I won't hazard the guess. But yeah. when you read something like that or you read as it's on par with Lincoln's Lyceum Address or other thoughts along these lines, when you read something like that, you um, – you, you you have to take a step back and realize what other culture does this to itself? Not one. This is the inherent yeah. weakness of the Western culture when it goes up against these authoritarian and totalitarian regimes and cultures. Do you think China has this kind of self-doubt? Do you think Russia has this kind of self-doubt? Do you think Tehran and the malocracy has this kind of self-doubt? No, they don't. And anyone who dares raise it gets killed or gulagged, right? This is well, the challenge true. of the West. That's true. How to be um, how to be, you know, strong enough to protect to strong enough to protect the safety of our individuals but not so strong that we violate their civil liberties. This is the tension within the West. That's true. And I, and I think a lot of what he is saying is is based on a lot of uh, observation and introspection and from a cultural standpoint, uh, obviously a different culture than say the Chinese. Yeah. And even the Russians yeah. or Soviet yeah. back at the time. Yeah. Um, also, I, another thing I discovered about Muggeridge, he was uh, one of the first people to point out uh, Mother Teresa and what she had been doing, you know, in Calcutta. I did not know that. I did not know 60s. that. Yeah. Well, God and, love him. Uh, he was so a he giant. Kind of, he was a giant. Yeah. Yeah. He, he yeah. was. And, and that's that's kind of why I brought him up, because, you know, we, we do talk about the same people a lot. I need to you. do uh, more with him. You're <laughs> not wrong to bring him up. I'm no, glad you I, did. I think he's he's worth other uh, people looking him up, yes. reading a lot of his quotes, yep. getting a couple of his books. Yep, uh, much to be learned. Yep. and again, he's British, not American, but he uh, he was on the right track, yep. just like C.S. Lewis was, yep. and just like a lot of other. Well, just like no, Orwell I, I got to do better. You know what? You've done me a nice New Year's turn. I'm going to dedicate part of my year to reading some more Muggeridge. Thank you, Rob. Doug, hi, Doug. How are you, brother? Sorry. Oh, I'm doing fine. Um, I always am slightly in, intimidated uh, coming in behind Rick because uh, he's so, um, you know, he, he's such a smart uh, guest. Oh, just... everyone here is 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 woebegone. We're all we're all we're all equally we're all handsome and smart. I'd like to think. <laughs> I, I get by on those. Yeah. I I get by on those crests because of people like y'all. You know, <laughs> <laughs> William Buckley was asked how many people read National Review, and he said. Together with Reader's Digest, 1.5 million and 2,050. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. So together yep. with you all, I can, I can be part of your crowd of smart and handsome. Well, we, we, we got a great family yeah. here. And uh, I, I was very excited about this because I haven't called as much lately because uh, you can tell by my calls that I'm just frustrated uh, since October 7th. Um, it, I was kind of shaken to my core, but m- mostly what I've been shaken by is, uh, like I said, I'm not worried about the left. Uh, I'm worried about our side. I but am too. T- t- today is, you know, because you can't have a war if only one side's really fighting. Correct. You know, 
And uh, so, but, but what you were talking about um, hit something very personal to, to me because um, I'm a great believer in education, uh, continual education uh, for all of us. But also with, um, I have three kids, and I've mentioned this before, so I'm sure you're going to remember. But for the audience, I had three kids. And I can proudly say they went to school in the beginnings of the great leftist surge in Seattle. <clears throat> and what I decided that was that I had to teach my kids before the left taught my kids. Good for you. Inoculation. I have to take a quick break. I'll let you make yeah. the rest of the point on the other side if you can bear with me just a few more you moments. Bet. Thanks, you Doug. Bet. We'll be right back. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have a secure and collateralized portfolio you can invest in. It can yield you up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and the investment is not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. Tons of flexibility. There are absolutely no fees. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it whatever you like. Total peace of mind in that there's no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. And, of course, you get a regular monthly statement. With no surprises, check Y-Refi out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y, or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24. Doug, thank you for your patience, sir. Thank you very much. Sure, absolutely. Uh, by the way, I, I think you've noticed like it, what I was saying about getting more intense in our discussions. I, I used to, for years, have... I you know, enjoy the banterings back and forth on the philosophical side of liberalism versus freedom. And recently, um, I, I'm just like focused like a laser. It's our side that's the problem. We You can't keep relinquishing ground and then act baffled. I mean, you you, you really got to, what, what is our intelligence level that we just sit here and scratch our head and the other side advances? And But a lot of this can be stemmed, and we can do it aside from volunteering, demanding that uh, the Republican Party be a fighting Republican Party. No, I don't mean getting angry. I mean actually going toe-to-toe to this, uh, you know, in philosophical terms. But it all begins at home, and, and that is to say if you have children and you're going to football games but you are not educating history – one of the you are relinquishing everything, and I, this is going to be a little bit embarrassing, but I mean, if you do not teach every aspect of human existence to your child, the left will teach that to them. And if you do not talk about men and women, their roles and their you know the the things that make a man a man, a woman a woman, then the beauty of that they will teach it. If you do not talk about sex in a positive spiritual sense. The first time they will tell you, and uh, and if they talk about war in our American history, and you not have, not have talked about not only the history of it, but the philosophical underpinnings of it. This is um, why they America- fight so hard in our schools. This is why, I don't know if you yeah. saw the interview with Moms for Liberty and Joy Reid on MSNBC, why Joy Reid is so opposed to parents having any say whatsoever. Yeah. This is why they, the experts, as they declare themselves, want to have a say over your children's upbringing when it comes to morals and sexuality and race. Of course that's right. Of course that's you know, right. Th- that's so true, but we can totally put it in our wheelhouse. We know yep. what they'll do. Yep. So teach them before they're taught. Absolutely. I would get the history books 
before they had them. That you've then, got to. You've got to, and it's got to be constantly reinforced. You can't teach someone a language with one lesson or one year. It's got to be over and over and over again. i got to run. Bacha Unger Sargon coming up. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 